0: at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from
1: crisis to comfort. All right, here we go. What you think about-
0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled that you are able to join us today. If you liked our opening song, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations in a true talk radio format here. And so um, today we happen to be live. And so if you want to call in and ask any questions or make any comments, you can do that. We just ask that it's in a respectful a conversational manner that pertains to the topic we're talking about today, um, which is going to be about technology and reducing stress and increasing safety for those living with dementia and those caring for them with boundary care. Um, And also think about maybe being our next guest. We like to hear from everyone, from those diagnosed, those caring for them, researchers, businesses, authors, uh, you name it and again just reach out to me or call in today at 323-870-4602 again that's 323 Eight seven zero four six zero two. I like to do all of our housekeeping up front so I'm going to do a few shout outs and then we'll get to the meat of our program here and we won't be interrupted so I want to give a shout out to Dementia Map if you haven't checked that out please do so that has actually been a dream of mine for almost 40 years we have 150 categories that you can search there's a calendar of events, many of which are free Uh, there's a blog a glossary, and so much more. People have just been uh, kind of flabbergasted at the resources that they didn't know about. So just go to DementiaMap.com. And if you're interested in uh, getting your resources in there, you can do that. We have a free uh, profile. We also have two enhance that you can um, benefit from as well. I want to uh, mention Maud's Ventures for any of you that are dreaming up new things that you want to launch. Maud's Ventures is actually giving seed money to three different categories. Um, from fifty to to $100,000 for each category. So check out modsventures.org. And um, the application process is really simple. Um, and they're willing to sit down and talk with you um, about that process. If you're not sure if you're a good fit or not, uh, super easy to deal with. So go to modsventures.org. For those of you that are looking to connect, the memory camp is back on. And that is at Moon Beach in Wisconsin, August 15th to the 18th. And that is for people with dementia and their families. They have just a ball Um, and and just getting to know others and, and being able to go canoe and sing and hike. Um, and just have a really good time. So you can register or go learn more about that by calling 715 uh, 479 I'm sorry, I said that wrong. It's 715 479 8255. 715 for the, the memory camp at Moon Beach in Wisconsin. Uh, I know a lot of people are always looking for support and I do do a couple of different support groups. Uh, One is Arthur's Memory Cafe, which we do online the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month at one o'clock central so that would be two o'clock Eastern noon mountain time and 11 a.m pacific time anyone is welcome to join people with dementia and their care partners um, both are present at those meetings and then also if you are in minnesota i partner with brookdale north oaks and the shoreview community center and we do a caregiver connect uh the last wednesday of each month at 10 a.m central And we do that at the uh, community center in Shoreview. Anyone is welcome. And there is a respite for uh, people with dementia. So the caregivers meet and the people with dementia, if they're in um, early to mid stages. And you can register at 763 913 6-1-4-0. We are going to hear from the Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner as they talk about the uh, <clears throat> the foot bar walker, and then we're going to be right back and get into this great discussion with the founders of Boundary Care.
2: I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients but i do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier safer option with transfers i would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox it's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with parkinson's or dementia CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients or therapists adapting to client and caregiver specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the footbar walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day and don't forget, if you can't do it,
0: adapt it. I love both of those companies. So please go check them out. They're doing wonderful work. Now we're gonna talk uh to the founders of boundary care who are putting safety first when it comes to uh dementia and autism and, and so many other things. So let me go ahead and introduce uh this father and son team and um and then we will talk with them. So today we're going to be talking with Scott and Paul Carpenter, who founded Boundary Care. Scott is actually a professor at Carleton College here in Minnesota, and his son, Paul, is a software engineer. Um, and right now he's located. it sounds like in New York, but's done a lot of overseas as well. When Scott's wife, um, who was also, of course, Paul's mom, was diagnosed with early onset, Alzheimer's disease, everything changed, and they knew there were other families like them that needed support, and that's how Boundary Care uh, was born and is now helping uh, tons of families
3: dealing with dementia. So
0: so welcome, Scott. How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having us on, Lori.
0: Well, I'm thrilled to have you, And, and Paul, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could make it as well.
1: Hi, Lori. Yeah, it's
0: very good to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start out by having you uh, both talk about how you've been touched. You know, I mentioned, uh, Scott, that your wife uh, had dementia, and and Paul, that's your mom. Um, But I'm interested, and I always ask all my guests the same question, um, if you're willing to share a little bit more of that story and have you in your own family or circle of friends? Have there been other people, too, that you've been touched by with dementia? And I'm going to throw it to you first, Scott.
3: Yeah. So, wow, Uh, how much time do we have? Um, (laughs) You know, when you ask that that question of people, it's just amazing how many people are affected in a number of ways, right? Um, And it's close contacts and it's sometimes more remote contacts. But as we all know, um dementia is um is everywhere and um so at uh some point or another we're all gonna be touched um as you mentioned it was uh my wife paul's mom who was diagnosed in two thousand fourteen uh with early onset but um that same year, my own brother uh was um came was diagnosed with a form of dementia it remained rather uh hard to pin down exactly what form it was. Um, And uh, so it was kind of a double whammy. Uh, This after uh, we also watched uh, my mother-in-law go through uh, um, dementia, uh, Alzheimer's late in her life, and then my father-in-law deal with Lewy body dementia. So, um, yeah, touched in many different ways and uh, had a lot of exposure to it and did not expect it to hit me uh, so directly through my own family so early i have to say
1: Hmm.
0: that that is a lot of connections and it's interesting because lately the uh, the people i've been asking have had multiple touch points within their own family uh which was something we weren't hearing quite as often um paul how about you how how has this whole experience been for you
1: well, for me, it's, um, you know, everything that, that my father just mentioned is all uh, in the family. And so I was obviously very, you know, present and affected by it as well. I think that, um, you know, when I, was, when I was young and when I was growing up, we, uh, we were very lucky not to have, uh, you know, too many medical problems in our family. It wasn't something that I had a direct... Connection to so it was my uh, grandfather's um, diagnosis and then decline that was my real experience with um, with dementia, but also just with uh, you know a loved one and a close family member really needing uh, the the sort of caregiving and the the help um, that that you know everybody going through this needs and everybody going through so many other situations needs so. That was very marking for me and I was um I was in middle school at the time when when that all started. And so it's been kind of a a constant presence in my life, um, ever since then as as these, you know, unfortunate diagnoses have, have rolled through our family and, and, you know, as I sometimes see them in, you know, the parents or grandparents of friends as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Um Scott are you comfortable sharing um how old your wife was when she got diagnosed and and where things are at at this point?
3: Sure. Yeah, so uh, my wife was diagnosed at uh 56 and um she is now uh in very late stage um late stages of the disease. So, uh it was actually during COVID that we had to make the very difficult decision to transfer her into a small facility so she's currently in a just a wonderful residential care home uh and um getting great support but with all of the um yeah i guess i would say emotional trauma that comes along with that right that it's always difficult mm-hmm. to make those kinds of decisions um so she's doing you know all right but we all know that this disease only goes in one direction despite various ups and downs
0: yep yeah. Um, it It is tough. And, boy, that's young. That is young. My mom, you know, started showing symptoms in her mid-50s, but she lived till 86, you know, with, with her disease. And it just affects everybody so differently. Do you know specifically what type of dementia um, through testing that they gave you? I know a lot of times they're still saying, you know, really takes the autopsy to find out. And like with my mom, upon autopsy, it was Alzheimer's was primary, but then it showed Lewy body and showed Parkinson's as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Anne, uh just because of the proteins that they uh, found, they are pretty sure that it is um, Alzheimer's disease, so an early onset, but not a uh, genetic strain. So there are strains mm-hmm. where um it will be it it's yeah it's a done deal, right that people are just going to get this. it's gonna manifest at one point or another um so it is of unclear origin, really. there's no family history of this early dementia um mm-hmm. and uh so it's been a real wake up call for everybody but um, yeah, so early onset Alzheimer's is the diagnosis,
0: okay, okay, thank
1: you for sharing
0: anything um Paul sure. you want to add to that at all?
1: Uh, no, I mean I think it's um, you know th- this is sort of the, uh, the the family background, I guess you could say that that gave rise for why we decided to start Boundary Care because um, mm-hmm. we were uh, you know we've we've been through caregiving you know, multiple times at this point and and uh, so it's it's something that we really uh, you know believed in and being able to to help people out and that would have helped ourselves if it it had been there when when we were going through our first round Mm -hmm.
0: so when your mom was diagnosed were you because I know previously I believe you were working overseas and stuff were were you at home or or were you had you left the nest and
1: so when she was actually diagnosed I had I had already left home I'd finished college um and I was I was working i think i was already in in new york at that point which is where i still am uh so it during the you know the subsequent years there have been uh i've I've tried to get back as much as i can and and help out and so my father was the main caregiver for Mm -hmm. years and years and years so i also have a younger sister and the two of us would uh come back to minnesota when we could to you know obviously to see our mom and to spend time with her, but also to lend him a hand and to give him some time off and some respite when, when we could, because day-to-day caregiving is just an immense, immense challenge. And even from afar, we could tell the the toll that it was taking.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, let's talk about um, boundary care. Scott, do you mind sharing, you know, uh, how did you launch this? I mean, it's it's so interesting to me how many people are touched by this disease and then step in and say, you know what? Yeah. We, can, we can do something a little bit better here.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, as they say, uh, necessity is the mother of genius, right? And it's not <laughs> yeah. the kind of thing that I had thought I would really be throwing myself into until fate pushed me, uh, sort of pushed my hand a little bit and pushed me into this. Um, And uh, so it was shortly after uh, Anne's diagnosis that, you know, after we got over the initial shock of it, that we started trying to think our way through the kind of resources that we would need uh, just to chart a path through this. And and as you might imagine, the resources are manifold, right? There, you need you need people, right? You just need uh, friends and support, and you need emotional support, and you need material support, and uh, you have to think about financing. And anybody who has been through um, a um, yeah the, this kind of trajectory with dementia knows the tremendous uh, demands that it puts on a family uh, in very material and emotional ways. Um, But one of the things in particular that we were worried about was uh, that because she was so young, which meant I'm just a year younger than than she is, I was working full time and I needed to make sure that when I was away, I was able to keep uh, tabs on her in a sense and just be reassured that uh, she was was all right. And so we began looking into the kinds of solutions that existed um, in the marketplace for Monitoring health and location and well-being, and uh, we're pretty surprised actually with uh, with the results. That it seems to be a field that has been slow to evolve and slow to catch up with some of the newer technologies. Um, and uh, so we tried out a few of the solutions, didn't find them uh, really to measure up to our needs. And then because I had some previous uh, business background running a software company, uh, and uh, Paul, of course, is a software engineer with, with deep experience in iOS, the operating system for the, uh, for the iPhone. It occurred to us that we could maybe do something better, and we um, put that together with the Apple Watch, which is um, the, really the premier device, these days in terms of it's the the number of sensors and the kinds of sensors that it offers uh and, and thought that this would be maybe the way to start um a new initiative so that was the very
1: beginning of it
0: okay um anything that you would like to add to that paul um
1: yeah i mean i think yeah, we we really tried to do our homework um and i'm you know i'm sure as as else who goes to Dementia Map or who's, you know, just sort of searching for resources on 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 how to help, you know, it's it's really, uh, it's a real challenge to find the, the combination of services and devices and technologies and tools that will just help you care for, for somebody in this specific case. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say that, you know, thing that we found when we were looking for a tool to, you know, help Prevent wandering and just generally keep my my mother safe. Is that there were some other things out there, but they always just fell short in one way or another. Um, you know, there wasn't enough battery life, or you know, it didn't work for multiple caregivers. And it's just you know we what we realized is that we really wanted something that could fit in to everybody's situation because each person's caregiving and each person's caregiver circle is just so different and so unique.
0: Mhm. Exactly. Um I I totally agree. It it and it is hard and you don't know the differences until you really jump in. I mean everything looks good when you see it initially <laughs> um and you think you think it'll be fine and then you start actually testing it out and you find things where it's just not not as functional. Um, Paul, why did you decide on the Apple Watch? I, I know Scott had said, you know, really it's the most most popular and stuff out there, but there are several others. Why Why was Apple um so important to to work with for you?
1: Yeah. Well, so uh, like like you mentioned, I have this background as a as a software engineer, and especially doing. Uh, apps and, and mobile things, so I have a lot of experience working with different mobile platforms and so when we started thinking you know what you know what can we use that's already out there um, to you know give us the the peace of mind that we're looking for um, you know we we sort of looked at the slew of choices and the Apple watch sort of emerged naturally just when we looked at the um, uh, what it offered. So mm-hmm. uh, w- what was really important to us was just having a really strong technical foundation. We needed a smartwatch that would really truly last all day for the GPS and the cell network really did work because that was what was important uh, technologically. And mm-hmm. without that, they, you know, we couldn't do anything. So that was, that was one big criterion. And the Apple watch also has the, the best health sensors. Um, out there right now. So the best integrated uh, heart rate monitor, fall detection. Um, some of the newer models have uh, O2 monitoring. So it seems, um, and these are, these are very important, uh, those sort of secondary but still very important tools to have um, when you're trying to keep somebody with dementia safe. Because, you know, four times, uh, sorry, uh, when we looked it up, there were uh, four times as many falls in dementia patients um, as in you know normal uh undiagnosed people of the same of the same age, so it's just you know these risk factors that we want to be able to keep track of as well and then the um, the final reason too is just that the Apple watch everybody has one, and it's not stigmatizing it's not one of these medical devices that you put on. And that marks you out as being somebody who's vulnerable or being somebody who uh, needs extra help. And especially for, you know, our family and the people that we knew who were diagnosed with dementia, they didn't want to advertise that fact.
3: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: So being able to have a tool that's discreet and that uh, doesn't stand out as being a medical device but still provides the the tools that that caregivers need and that can help keep them safe uh, was really important to us.
0: Yeah, when you talk about the the stigmatizing, I mean, some of them almost look like ankle, ankle bracelets on your wrist. They're so large, you know, and and it, very unattractive in terms of looks. And uh, I, I think that's such a huge important factor that it does look normal and that others others have this, but it has all these features. I was kind of shocked at you know the the number of falls people have. With dementia compared to you know the average bear out there, um, that was fascinating to hear. The falls are, are that much greater, yet not surprising because gait is one of the things that um, that changes as well as eyesight and depth prevention <laughs> prevention uh, all of that as well. So thank you for the insight on why. Um, Again, Apple is just so well-known, has a good reputation, and you don't have any of those battles as well. Um, Scott, was there anything else you wanted to add is, in terms of why the Apple Watch?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think Paul did a great job of describing the technical abilities of it. And maybe what I could add is just a quick overview of um, how the whole system actually operates so that people can try to imagine it. Okay. Um, but what happened? What happens is that the uh, the loved one uh, in question wears the Apple Watch, and, and that's really the last action that needs to be taken, right? So it's just the mm-hmm. simple wearing of the watch. And what happens is that we then collect uh, passively, quietly, information from the watch, which we send up to our servers, and we're able to determine uh, which information is, is crucial. We parse it. Um, and then we send it down to the caregivers, and the caregivers are able to view the information on uh, a an app, on their iphone uh, or on another device if they have an android device um, we're about to release a, a web version for that and uh, so then in a glance they can look down at the dashboard and see the status of their loved ones so they get the a map showing the location uh, they get information about the device if the apple watch is running low on power for example um, and then they get this health information the kinds of uh, things that paul mentioned that Uh, We can uh, pick up the heart rate. We can tell if there is uh, a low or a high heart rate event. We can detect uh, heart rhythms Uh, with certain Apple Watches. We can look at oxygen saturation levels. Um, And then there is fall detection. Um, And then if any kind of an emergency occurs, Uh, So, for example, if the loved one were to stray outside of a, um, a predefined safe zone, so people might identify their home or their yard, for example, as a safe zone, if they go outside of that, then they'll receive a notification. Or if a fall is suffered, they'll receive a notification, and then they can take emergency action. So you can launch emergency tracking to follow somebody second by second just to watch every step that they take. Um, you can uh, call emergency services, or you can just call the, um, the Apple Watch directly to check on the well-being of your loved one. Uh, the Apple Watch has an auto-answer feature so that the loved one doesn't even need to fiddle with any buttons or anything to, to answer it. Uh, so it's all of the um, technical things that Paul described about the advantages of the Apple Watch that makes it possible, really, for us to put together this package of services.
0: Wow, that's that's nice that there's nothing that they have to do, you know, with the watch itself. What um Scott, what are some of the other services that that you guys have that other other watches and devices don't have?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, Paul mentioned one of them, which is um not really a credit to us, but a credit to Apple, which is that there's no social stigma attached to uh, wearing the um, the Apple Watch, and, and that's pretty mm-hmm. huge because social stigma has been identified as the single greatest obstacle to um, getting people to wear remote monitor- monitoring devices. Mm-hmm. But then because what we're dealing with is an app, um, so it's just downloadable from the, um, the App Store, the Apple App Store. Download it, put it onto an iPhone, um, then you can uh, also move it onto the Apple Watch. And because it's an app, that means that we can also improve it over time. So we roll out regular updates and we add features, Uh, not the kind of thing that you get with a single purpose um, custom-made device that sort of is what it is when it's delivered and that's how it remains. Um, It has this wonderful collection of uh, sensors and because of the way that we're able to look at information on the sensors and and even the, um, the family caregivers can look at this information through the dashboard, you can see how certain things might interact. So it's great mm-hmm. to have fall detection, so it's good to get an alert when somebody falls. But because mm-hmm. you can also see things like low heart rate or low oxygen saturation levels, if you see a kind of a trend there, and um, we, can know, we know that low heart rate can lead to um, dizziness because they're getting less oxygen um, to the brain, mm-hmm. same thing with low O2 levels. So you can actually engage in some forms of fall prevention. In those cases, you get kind of an early warning system uh, built in. Um, another thing that we have is when uh, we allow customers to create a safe zone, so a family member might draw um, a square, for example, around a yard. Uh, there are a couple of other um, devices out there that have a safe zone that shows up as a, as a dot, or as a big mm-hmm. circle, um, but we let you customize that to whatever shape you want. And we also have what we call safe itineraries so that um, if the loved one is still able to, say, walk the dog around the block or go to the grocery store, things like that, you can actually map out the path that that person takes. And then it's only if they stray significantly from that path that any kind of um, an alert is given. So you don't want... You know, mom going to the grocery store and then ending up in St. Cloud or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're if they're still driving, um, so we've got a number of things like that. And one of the greatest, I would say, is just the ability to have multiple caregivers sharing the same account. So we know that um, caregiving can be a lonely job, but it's usually not entirely solo. That people are taking turns, and it might not take a, a whole village to care for a person with, um, with dementia, but it usually takes at least a couple or three people. And in boundary care, you can add additional members of the family. It's just part of the standard account. And then you can take turns. You can say, I'm off duty and it's my sister's job this weekend, or, you know, you pass things around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess last of all, I'd say that um, long-term care policies, if people happen to have long-term care insurance, those policies already will cover... Um, a service like boundary care. It's just part mm-hmm. of the standard uh, policy for most things. So um, we know that there's a lot of financial strain on people when they're um, like dealing with a person who's suddenly pulled out of the workforce or just the additional costs of, of caregiving. Uh, but in this way, there might be some support for people who already have uh, some insurance.
0: Okay. Well, and that that's huge, too, because a lot of times people take out these policies and they don't have a clue what is covered or what's not covered so just hearing that spoken out loud is is helpful in and of itself um paul is there anything your dad missed that you want to add
1: yeah i think i think he covered a lot of bases i just say that the the ability to make these custom safe zones and to make them whatever shape you want and to have them have them anywhere. You can be at a friend's house. It can be at uh, a relative's house. It can, you know, you can you can have as many as you need to really tailor it to to what you're getting. And that's the feature that we hear from customers over and over again. That's really valuable to them. And cool. you know, the only other thing I'd add is is going back to the Apple Watch as a as you know, sort of the enabler of all of this. And, you know, one concern that we heard every now and then was that people were wondering, it was like, geez, an Apple Watch, you know, how much does that cost? It's probably going to be really expensive. And, you know, it's true that it's not free, but the, the price for the watch that Boundary Care is best at, which is just the basic watch with a, that can support a cellular plan, um, is, 329 retail, and it's often discounted. And you know, a little hint, you can find you know refurbished watches with warranties and everything for even much less on on eBay or other sites or whatever. So if cost is a concern, um, there's ways. It's uh, it's not too expensive uh, just for the device, and it's really actually less expensive than many of the the competitors.
0: Well, and you know when you're you're saying you know the three hundred i mean that that's really like a buck a day for a year um to have all yeah. those added value you know features in, and I didn't know that there were coupons. How do you get a hold of coupons?
1: <laughs> well, you just gotta you know I'm sure everybody's got their favorite deal site that they go to, but there're always little promotions here and there
0: okay well that's that's good to know, I guess I'm not a coupon cutter i probably should be but I, I i'm one of those where when i have cut them out and then i go to the store and then i forget i have them until i get back out to the car and go oh dang you know and i it took me you know 45 minutes longer to buy all the stuff that matched the coupons and then i didn't use them so i i'm not a good one to ask on those things at all and and i like the idea of the refurbished too because that can that can make a huge huge difference for for people um one thing i wanted to ask was um you know you you talked about a lot of you know the health monitoring um items and in the in the safety zones i i loved when you said you know you can do multiples and uh because that that's huge and you know you're able to save those and and stuff so it's easy when you're going to routine sites and things but on the health monitoring I don't think people always understand. Um, how that can really assist them and I'm wondering Scott if you can dive into that a little bit more and maybe give us some examples um, that you've heard of from people in terms of why this is so critical and and maybe with and um, you, you found this beneficial yourself.
3: Yeah, so that's that's a great question. Um so the unfortunate uh, thing in my personal story is that by the time uh we had developed the product uh you know far enough that we could use it ourselves uh and was uh no longer really needing it. Uh so mm-hmm. we were able to test it out uh test it out at home. But it did give us a sense of the kinds of things that can happen. And um, what people often don't think about is the way in which um, dementia is related to other uh, ills. So there are often these comorbidities uh, that, that uh, in a sense, accompany it and sometimes contribute to it. Uh, so I mentioned how uh, low heart rates can actually uh, make people feel dizzy. It can also hamper cognition. Uh, and if people are suffering falls, um, mm-hmm. that too. So the most common injury from uh, from a fall is a head injury. Uh, mm-hmm. People fall and they knock their heads. Uh, that too is going to affect cognition. Um, and one of the problems with, um, with uh, trying to uh, sort of keep tabs on the health health and well-being of a person with dementia is that uh, at some point, they have difficulty with um, communicating exactly what their experience has been, and, and they have difficulty, difficulty remembering it. Uh, mm-hmm. So there, I can bring in personal stories where um, uh, I came home once, and uh, Anne had this big bruise on, on her arm. I was like, well, what, what happened? I, and she said, oh, no, nothing. I said, did you fall? No. And then I found out, so we had a uh, health aid there, and, and the health aide, you know, came around the corner and said, oh, yeah, no, she fell. Um, so um, if we're not there to uh, see these things, then we need something that can speak for on behalf of the person who's not able to, to remember and communicate these things uh, herself or himself. Uh, so being able to track things like heart rate, heart rhythms, uh, falls, oxygen saturation, those are, are really crucial uh, um, uh, items to track. In sort of the inventory of, of health and wellness
0: which makes a lot of sense uh, my in fact my my ex-husband took a fall and it had exactly to do with that you know he got up from his desk and just down smacked his head you know sliced it open and you know he was in the hospital for a few days with that mm-hmm. because uh, and they had to adjust his medications and it would have been nice to have been alerted to that before an accident for sure uh happened right. uh, so people people would be aware of that i i think those things yeah, are and so... i think the
3: the, the Go ahead. i was just going to say the other thing the other thing that happens there is that when you see that there have been falls that you might not otherwise know about It means Mm -hmm. you can take some early intervention, and maybe it's time to do uh, kind of an OT assessment. Maybe it's time to, like, look at whether or not rugs need to be removed, if it's a tripping hazard. Maybe it's time to put a gate up at the stairwell, all of those kinds of things. So um, since we're not always present to see all of those events, um, if we're able to pick them up in another way, then it's helpful.
0: Yeah, well, and it's just a much calmer way than going into a crisis
3: mode. Yeah,
0: uh, there's there's enough you know cray cray going on in the world and if we can control those pieces that's that's a huge huge benefit. Um, I, I think too you know when you were talking about the wandering everybody understands the risks and yet I hear so many people say oh, well he doesn't wander she's never wandered well they don't until they do you know that's yeah. that's part of this and they're they're not going to say hey i'm going to i'm going to take off today that's not how it works you know so that's to right. be able, to be able to have that set up in the back end just to be able to sleep easier as a family member knowing that that is there and you know you're able to protect them i i think is just massively huge and i'll give an example of a um woman in our memory cafe, her husband stopped driving and he didn't drive for six years and he chose to not drive himself. He knew, you know, he was declining and everything was fine. Well, you know, he he was still living at home and she was caring for him and they had in-home help uh, that came and she said one morning he woke up like at four in the morning, he's all dressed and you know, he, he was at the door and his wife said, what are you doing? And he, he said, well, I'm going to, I'm I'm waiting for, you know, our home care person. And mm-hmm. she got him back to bed and said, no, it's too early. She won't be here till eight. Well, she went back to sleep and apparently slept really hard. He got back up, got dressed and took the keys. She never hid the keys. Everyone's like, well, why didn't you hide the keys? And it's like, because he gave up driving himself. He knew. Mm-hmm. And. And that day he did not. And he ended up, they lived in Roseville. He he was up like by isante, I And he even wow. ran out of gas. And the construction guys were so helpful. They gave him gas to get him out of his way. <laughs> and then he went down the road uh, the wrong way on the freeway. And the police caught him. And, and they just turned him around. And, you know, mm. and he's panicking. He's gone like for almost eight hours not knowing anything other than he had the car and she had not a clue that that was ever going to happen. You know, wandering probably entered her mind way before taking the car because you know, he he gave that up on his own. So again, with this disease, people, we just don't know until it's a problem. Um, Even something like this would be really interesting. And I don't know if you've tested it in airports, but, um, This would be, I think, a good thing to maybe do if you haven't, because, uh, you know, I've heard that it's hard to track people in the airport, just, you know, all of the the walls and things that are in there. Um, But so many people get lost in an airport. You know, they go in a bathroom and the bathroom has two exits and you're standing outside one and they walk out the other. And then all of a sudden they're sending somebody in to check on somebody and they're not in there and then they realize there's a second entrance. Um, to it. And boy, if that worked in airports, that would be a really no, uh, another nice way to be able to promote this. Um, and I would be more than glad to even hook you up with the Roseville group and, and the international group um, that's working on travel safety and education mm. for, for TSA and things there. But, yeah, wow. it's it's very, very important Um to to have that information and um and and be able to i mean that's just going to help the police and and everybody in terms of trying to find where they are and be able to do it in a much much quicker quicker way um i'm i'm wondering um and i'm going to throw this one to to paul first if that's okay but um You know, have you gotten feedback, Paul, from customers in terms of um, usage, you know, what they like or maybe what they'd like to see added to it or done differently? Um, Are you guys open to that kind of feedback?
1: Oh, yeah, we are absolutely open to it. So we, you know, we do our best to keep in touch with our customers um, without being annoying, but we want to make sure that that everything's uh, working well that if there it does look like there's any sort of problem, like let's say the watch hasn't updated uh, for, you know, a little bit longer than usual, you know, they get an email, we're always there to support and, and always looking for, for ways to help and to help it improve. So when, you know, when we have sent out a couple of surveys and gotten feedback back, you know, overwhelmingly people say that this helps, Reduce their caregiving burden, like practically 100% of the people using boundary care tell us that yes, this helps us. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we've also just really, uh, you know, really valuable stories from people who who write into us to just let us know that this helped them find their loved one when they wandered, or this Mm -hmm. helped them, you know, even if it's not directly wandering, but we had one person whose loved one was going to stay with the relative for a weekend while she was going to take a much earned weekend vacation. And mm-hmm. she was able to do that and feel comfortable with it because while she was on vacation, she could just check on her phone and make sure that, you know, her loved one was wearing the watch, that they were where they were supposed to be, that everything was normal. So that, um, that sort of peace of mind, and you know, even in ways that we didn't necessarily expect has been really gratifying to hear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that, that, people are, uh, that we've heard from a couple of people that we're excited to be, to be working on too is, you know, an additional feature of the Apple Watch, which is um, being able to help monitor exercise and steps and things like that. And, you know, you don't want your loved one to be wandering without your knowledge, but so many studies have shown that at least getting some kind of exercise, at least moving the body around, does so much to help slow down the progression of the disease and help, um, you know, the, the, both the, the people carrying the diagnosis and their caregivers stay in better spirits. Mm -hmm. So we want, so we're being able to add that to our our slate of tools as well to help caregivers, you know, just see, and, you know, is my loved one getting exercise know did they go out on their walk today? You know, are we able to, to make sure that we're, you know, taking care of that physical health side of things, um, even better.
0: Wonderful. Anything you want to add to that, Scott?
3: Yeah, I think Paul covered a lot of it. I would say um, that notion, that phrase, peace of mind, that's the one that uh, comes up again and again. And it was uh, truly a full 100% of our uh, survey respondents that said that boundary care eased uh, the burden of caregiving. So that's huge. Uh, The other thing I'd mention is that uh, in our own customer surveys, Uh, The majority of people feel that um, Boundary Care has helped them keep their loved one at home longer because they feel more comfortable uh, and and, uh, that they are able to track things and manage things better. And two out of three of those uh, people have uh, said that they think that Boundary Care is helping them keep their loved one at home for a year or more. Uh, So that's, uh, that's a huge savings financially, of course. Uh, yep. But it's also even greater in terms of uh, just the, um, I don't know, the the emotional um, effect and impact that it has if you're able to keep your loved one with you, giving that kind of uh, personalized family care that uh, that both parties prefer.
0: Well, it sure minimizes that three hundred bucks for an Apple Watch <laughs> when you're saving yeah, that kind right. of money uh, for sure. And and like you said, it allows the relationship to continue and, and let them live their best lives together. Um, I, I think the other thing that I really like about um, boundary care is the, the team approach, because I, you know, I think back to my mom and everything pretty much fell on me, which was fine. I, I was, I was fine to be part of that. I think if we would have had something like boundary care where my brothers could have checked in and seen something Maybe it would have pulled them in a little bit more um, because they were kind of aloof in terms of of being involved, you know, in her life or even my dad with his, his brain cancer. And I think that being part of a team and part of a system that was, um, you know, just automated, so it's not, it, it doesn't really work for anybody to do, um, would have been helpful. And, and and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think that I really do think that that would have made a difference in terms of their involvement in understanding really what's going on, too. Because so often I got, well, they look fine, you know, they were fine when mm-hmm. I visited, you know, and it's just like when they're seeing, you know, the kind of the insides of what's going on with the blood pressure and the heart rate and and all of those types of things and understanding that it can increase falls and, you know, um, the wandering protection um, in and of itself. I I just think it's really, really wise there. Well, I can't believe we've only got about 10 minutes left. The time always flies on these shows. Is there anything, um, Scott, that we haven't discussed that we should?
3: Yeah, I guess the only thing I would mention is that, um, you know, because boundary carriers run, founded by this father and son team, and and, uh, almost everybody who works on the project has a history of caregiving. We're um, pretty aware of what the challenges are, so um, we we try to be um, attentive to the needs of customers. As Paul said, we're um, always eager for suggestions about how to improve the product, Uh, but it's also um, important for us to make sure that we're guiding people through the the decision-making process about, you know, if they're should I get this kind of watch or that kind of watch? So we try to be very active in support. And uh, we also know that tech is sometimes uh, challenging. Not everybody's that familiar with the Apple Watch. So um, we offer phone support and are happy to coach people through the various steps, all the way from downloading it onto their phone, getting it onto the watch, setting things up, and uh, we get them off and, and going. It doesn't take very long. Uh, So, you know, we're uh, doing the best we can to offer the the best possible service.
0: Wonderful. And I think it's, you know, I just, when I purchase a product and I know somebody really understands the back end, you know, of why this is a need, to me that makes a huge, a huge difference because that lived experience is so valuable in terms of formulating um in really developing a product out um to meet the needs. So I, I thank you for that. Paul, anything you would like to add?
1: Yeah, I just I think that this the whole experience for me has been you know humbling in many ways as we've been putting this together. But uh one of them has has been this feeling of uh Feeling like we're trying to help to solve a problem that so many people are going through, and that looks uh, so similar when you're looking mm-hmm. at it from a bird's eye, view, but is ultimately just so unique to um, to each family and to each person and to everything that they that they're going through and who they are and, and what their situation is. Um, mm-hmm. So, and particularly, uh, yeah, I would say even gratifying for me personally has just been hearing the ways that this has been able to help people, uh, that boundary care has been able to help people uh, in, in ways that I, that I wouldn't even have expected or imagined necessarily for myself or for our case, because everybody's situation is different. And I'd mm-hmm. say that's been a part of why we started this in the first place, because there's nothing there that really matched us. And that's been our goal um, going forward is to make something as, you know, flexible as it can be to make sure that, that you know, nobody's left out in the cold. Well, that's wonderful.
0: One thing I do want to mention as um, is well is is I would think that this would be an ideal thing for people with autism. Uh, developmental disabilities, um, even probably some people with mental health issues. Um, I, I, I just think there's there's so many. Plus, again, just the, the norm of people out there using this. But, you know, health issues and, and wandering can come into play at all ages and stages of life um, in all types of people. Um, Scott, would you say that that is true, that you see um, others using this, or have you been pretty much just marketing it to uh, the dementia world.
3: No, you're absolutely right, Lori, um, that these kinds of um, problems that we're dealing with in the dementia world are not exclusive to to that area. So um, we do have customers who are uh, using boundary care to help uh, watch over um, autistic children, for example. Um, And then, so mostly what we've been talking about today is the kinds of services that we offer to uh, individual families, but we're also working with larger groups. So uh, for people in the um, disabilities sphere who are managing group homes, uh, we work with groups like that. Uh, We're also doing a large rollout with a um, provider in Ohio uh, that is focused on um, the intellectually and developmentally disabled. Uh, and in those kinds of situations, we're also able to um, save some of the uh, anonymized data. So de-identified data, we're not trying to track anybody, um, but to help to understand better what sorts of trends uh, we can we can see to help to uh, be a little bit more predictive and, and be able to intervene uh, in a more timely fashion for people so you're you're right that there are actually many applications for this, although our original inspiration was really from our personal story, which was uh focused on the the experience of dementia patients
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i you know there's we have so much in common with so many others, and you know to see that kind of unfold i mean that just makes it even more normalized too. You know, as things spread about, so kudos to both of you for the the work that you've done uh with boundary care in terms of of helping so many out there um I would um encourage our audience to like click and share this because maybe you don't need it for yourself, but chances are you know somebody who this could really really help, and you can go to their website boundarycare dot com or you can email them at info at And, of course, you can always search for the Boundary Care app on the Apple um, App Store uh, for iPhones and uh, or, or the Apple Watch as well. So thank you, too, for, for sharing your time with, with us here at Alzheimer Speaks. I really appreciate it very much.
3: Thanks so much, Lori. It was a Great. delight to speak with you. Great.
0: You guys have a wonderful Memorial weekend. And to our audience, I hope you enjoy the long weekend and uh, have fun and be safe and stay out of any crazy weather. I know we've had a lot of it lately. I do want to um, just do a couple more shout outs. One is to Saltbox TV, if you haven't checked that out. Saltbox is a free online streaming service that was designed specifically for seniors. And of course, uh, you can always check out Dementia Map uh, for more resources there. And last, I just want to mention that Alzheimer's Speaks. We're going to be updating our website here shortly, so it'll be really um, kind of fun and easy to access. I have a whole page just donated, uh, dedicated um, to all the free services and educational tools and platforms, um, and movements that uh, you'll be able to access really, really easy. So um, enjoy, everyone. Uh, Thank you for listening. And again, please feel free to uh, subscribe to the show. Bye now.